0: It is just always, as I said, a delight to be here and especially to be here with so many. I I just, I was thinking this morning about the list of people as I think about colleagues that we've served with in ministry and other places and all who have served in the district here in ministry and in roles and, um, you know, I'm sure I would leave someone out, but it's just great. I feel among friends today and among those who support us, you know, we're here to support one another in God's work and I've discovered something the older I get we really do need each other. Amen. Turn to turn to your neighbor and say that. We really do need each other. We just need to be reminded of that. My wife is here with me today. She's sitting with her uncle EB and that's why she's smiling so much. She loves her uncle EB and uh, he's really special so it's great that she could be here and sit with him today. And um uh, I, uh, Andrew, Pastor Mike's son, was, uh, works at Chick-fil-A and we, I was in there Friday night with family. And so he came right over to me and he said, um, you're gonna be preaching at our church Sunday. I said, yes, I am. I said, Andrew, you're gonna be there for both services. And he kind of smiled, he says, well, maybe since it's not my dad preaching, I'll show up. <laughs> now, Pastor Mike, I want you to know I feel your pain. Uh, one of our pastors, we had two services, and um, at one point, our two sons started coming to the early service, and I was a little surprised. Um, my older one, not so much, but the younger one was a sleepyhead, and I knew he didn't get up until he just absolutely had to, and, and yet they consistently were showing up for the first service, and so um, one day, I think at Sunday lunch, I said, guys, what's up with the first service deal? And they looked at each other rather sheepishly and so finally one of them had the courage to say this to me well dad we know in the first service that there's a service to follow and you can't go over (laughs) Um, you know preachers kids are just normal kids like all other kids Uh, it is uh, I want to share with you some uh, information related to the district and um, As I think about our vision statement, which will be on the screen in just a moment, Believe in God for 10,000 Lives, involved in 60 healthy, growing churches by the year 2022. Um, We've been working with that for a few years by now. And um, we're making progress. Um, um, I'm grateful for that and just kind of check and see how we're doing. Um, First of all, um, we have uh, 49 churches. Now, that's... um, not where we want to be, and in fact, that number has gone down. In fact, that number has been going down for some time. In 1973, there were 72 churches in the South Carolina district. I know that's troubling to think about, but churches, like uh, people, have life cycles. And at some point along the way, if a church does not get a new vision, then that life cycle continues to go down. So we know it's crucial that churches experience revitalization and get a new vision. And um, we, we uh, need for that to happen, but uh, just let you know where we are, I feel like we're getting near the bottom of that, uh, but not because there aren't other churches at risk, but because of what you're going to see in a few moments in terms of what God is doing in church planting. Uh, as we look also at that, our, our uh, attendance, um, average worship attendance is 4,200. Uh, that was 3,600 in the year 2004. And Easter attendance has really grown uh, pretty dramatically in the last three years as we've been giving attention to that. As the denomination has asked for that last year, almost 7,000 people were in attendance on Easter services. So that's getting a little closer. The real picture of where we are is probably somewhere right between those. So we have a ways to go, but we're encouraged again about that. I hope everyone can get excited about the fact that in the last two years, 910 people have come to Christ through the ministries of the South Carolina District of the Western Church. Amen. Um, that's the message that God has given to the church so that lives can be transformed, as we heard about earlier, and to make disciples. Uh, over half of those, 500 plus, have been baptized. And so we're grateful. For those, uh, Sunday school attendance, quite frankly, the last two years, uh, despite other trends, is up in that area. And uh, I was particularly pleased as I looked to see the number of people that have been called into full-time Christian ministry. 39 people in the last two years. I know our DBMD is busy, and it bodes well that we're going to continue to be busy, and that God is calling forth a new generation to serve him. Uh, So those are exciting things um, as I think about what God is doing. Someone would ask, maybe you're new, what does a district do? What's the purpose of a district? This church belongs to a district. We have about 30 districts in our denomination. So, what's the purpose of the district? And we've been working with that as district leadership. Pastor Mike is on our district board, and he knows we are looking at these things and constantly through the filter of these saying, what is it that we are to do as a district? We're to be a catalyst for congregational reproduction and multiplication. Now, I'm going to share with you a little bit more about that in a moment. Um, We also um, are a catalyst for congregational transformation. Um, Again, as I said, if churches do not get a new vision and uh, revitalize, then um, their future for most of them is uh, going to continue to go down until it's another one of those statistics of a closed church. So we're grateful to see that happening. Um, I think of churches of all sizes. Um, Perhaps the church that's had the greatest percentage growth in the last couple of years is the church that was the Wahala Wesleyan Church is now Hope Church. Uh, Two years ago, uh, 2015, on Sunday morning, they had 12 people. Um, Not long after that, they decided to close and to do a restart and they renamed the church, and I'll be there in three or four weeks, but my guess is this morning they had about 50 people in that church. Now, that's pretty good percentage growth. That, that probably is better than, you know, most any church you can think of in terms of percentage growth. So, uh, again, all sizes. I think of the uh, church over in Bethany, over in Spartanburg County, that in the last uh, three or four years, um, actually four years this month, the pastor, new pastor arrived there, and they've gone from attendance in the 20s until I just looked at their report, and they're close to 100 in average attendance every week. So again, great growth, and, and uh, new people are coming to Christ and are, are being baptized. Um, the church at Eden, out in the middle of the Peach Orchards in Spartanburg County. Um, I look and see the progress that they have made and what has been happening there. And a congregation that was around 100 Um, Three years ago, before they went through a process of um, consultation and revitalization, is a church that this morning will have 160 to 170 people with about 50 children in two services. They've just started two services back in October. This is a small church. They can't seat very many people. So it's just exciting to see that happen. And I look at Trinity. Um, Pastor Mike, I appreciate it so much. Looking over the second quarter report again before I came This morning Uh, because of the starting of the second service here at Trinity around 30 new people are coming to this church every Sunday morning Um, and a lot of that has to do with Pastor Mike's personal influence and outreach Um, he has a heart for seeing people come to Christ I know that is his passion and uh, he's uh, beginning to sense um, some some of the fruit that comes from that Um, I just want you to know I believe in this church. Uh, I think this church's best days are ahead. I truly believe that. The opportunity's never been greater. Look around us, friends. All the people that need to be reached that are not in church, that this is typical of a community area in the upstate. 80% of the people, between 70 and 80% of the people, are not in church anywhere this Sunday. And so the opportunity and the need is great. And I'm grateful for your pastor and for you joining in and opening our eyes to look and see the harvest that is there, what God wants to do and intends to do in the days to come. So um, revitalization, a part of it, Uh, we're to be a catalyst for leadership development. And then there's that fourth thing. It's uh, not a priority, but it's very important things that we do, the credentialing, the legal, the financial services, all the things that we offer at the district to help us. Um, you know, just, just an example, and this is not necessarily a district thing, this is a denomination thing. When the Supreme Court ruling came down uh, last May or June regarding same-sex marriage and the challenge that face, that we faced as churches in terms of use of facilities and those kinds of things, every pastor in the Wesleyan Church had in their email within a week, maybe four or five days, policies and procedures that were legally uh, produced uh, from, from legal minds to help us know exactly what to do in that situation to create policies and procedures. And in fact, it goes further than that. I have a good friend who pastors a non-denominational church and he went to an attorney for them to try to do the same thing. And he said, you know what? You've got a problem because you don't belong to a denomination where it can see that this has been your belief and practice all of these years You're going to be very open to lawsuit if you come in now create a policy right now in review of this in light of this so there is protection and there's resourcing that's available and encouragement by belonging to a denomination and a group of churches so just want you to know i've never been prouder to be a wesleyan god is doing great things in our denomination continue to pray for our general superintendent dr wayne smith who is providing amazing leadership and has such a great vision and heart for the church and um, again, I believe the best days are ahead, not only for this congregation, but for the Westland Church as well. Now, I want to show you the last, uh, the last slide, and that is the church planning movement um, that is being generated in the Low Country. In, uh, in 2013, uh, the church at Somerville, Providence Westland Church, uh, opened. They had their, their first public services. Prior to that time, there were no Wesleyan churches in the Low Country. We've had some, uh, but they have run through the life cycle, and they've closed. This area represents one of the fastest-growing areas of our state. In fact, Berkeley County, where Somerville is located, is the fastest-growing county in the state and has been for a number of years. And we had no, church, no churches in that area. And it's also an under-churched area. It's not just a matter of Wesleyan churches. It's a matter that it's under-churched. And that region percentage of people on any given Sunday or that are a part of a, an evangelical church is less than 10%. So the need and opportunity is great. Well, Providence began the first service Easter Sunday, 2013. Joan and I were there. Um, that congregation is now averaging over 200. And you can see that two years ago, um, well, not quite two years ago, out of that church, um, they sent a group of people and we had a pastor that was called uh, who was from North Charleston, has been working on a Wesleyan church out in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and was called back to North Charleston to plant a church in the community where he grew up. That congregation is meeting in the Latson Elementary School, and we will be with them next week, Lord willing. And that congregation is averaging about 60 in attendance and is continuing to grow. Um, the next thing that's going to happen, and it's already happening, is the Mount Pleasant church plant. Now, some of these are churches coming out of churches. In fact, that's what's mostly going to happen. But the Mount Pleasant Church, again, is going to be kind of what we call a parachute drop. Many of you, were, well not many of you, some of you were at district conference this summer and met Ben and Leah Walters. And uh, Ben and Leah arrived in uh, Mount Pleasant just about a month ago, uh, following a seven-month internship at 12 Stone Church down in Georgia. And uh, they are, are getting excited, they're getting ready to go. God has done amazing things to prepare the way for them. I encourage you to go to their website. If you will look up Boardwalk Church in Mount Pleasant and you go to their website, um, you will find the testimony of Ben and Leah. If you were at district conference last year, you heard it. It's an amazing story. Pastor Mike was actually a student, a fellow student with him in, uh, in uh, Wesley Seminary. And uh, through just amazing circumstances of God redeeming and transforming their lives and their marriage and then their connection with the Wesleyan Church, they, became to be a, they came to be a part of us after serving in a, a French church up in Ohio for uh, 10 or 11 years. And um, again, God has prepared the way, an amazing way for them. A year ago, a year from now, they will be launching their first service. So uh, be praying for Ben and Leah. Uh, joining them this summer will be a young man named Seth Walker. Who will be graduating from wesley seminary this year and he's going to spend a year or so with them and then we'll be going across the bridge over into charleston in the historic charleston area to plant a congregation there now going back up to residuum church a new church is coming out of that um, jolly uh, the jolly family is going there Brittany jolly uh, they have already been assessed, and they're going over into Daniel Island area, Canehoy area, and be planning a church, taking some folks with them out of the uh, North Charleston church, and gathering some others. And then another church plan for West Ashley, um, it's not exactly set. It looks like that Nathan Perez and their family will be dead. Now, I don't know about you, but when I, I looked at that this week, I just prepared that slide this week, I looked at that this week. My friends, that's multiplication. Two or three years down the road, as each one of these new churches reach a couple of hundred people, one hundred fifty to two hundred people, it's in their DNA to start a new church. So that in years to come, it would be possible for dozens, fifty, hundred churches in the Low Country. So we're excited. Uh, God has done this. It was not anything I could have done or orchestrated. God has done this by calling Wayne Otto. You know, if your email is Otto the Church Planner that may be your gift. (laughs) Uh, This is his eighth church that he has planted, all of them successfully, and God called him here to come here, and uh, we're rejoicing in what God is going to do. I encourage you to continue to pray, and we'll be sharing more information with the pastors, but um, if you wanna see uh, something that will really touch your heart, again, go to uh, boardwalkchurch.org, and it'll pop up in Mount Pleasant, and you'll see what's happening there they to begin to prepare for what God is doing. Well again, it's good to be with you. Uh, I do have a message like a real sermon, hopefully, uh, so um, we'll, uh, if you would turn in your Bibles to Psalm 37 and the scripture will be on your screen as well. Psalm 37 will be there and then in a passage in Philippians. Let's stand together for a moment for reading God's word. those who are able, and Pastor Mike, would you pass me, the, bring me that water, please? I forgot to bring it with me. Thank you. Psalm 37. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Rest in the Lord, or be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And then in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, familiar passage to us. In fact, I would like for us to read it together um, since it's up on the screen. If you would, read with me and let's begin now. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your spirit that is here. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship you Lord, you are amazing and you are worthy of all of our praise, everything that we could give to you, including our very lives. And now I pray that your Holy Spirit will be our teacher. I pray that you will speak to our hearts through your word, and I would ask that the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And God's people said together Amen. You may be seated. Those are some amazing passages of scripture, and we stop to think about it. Is it even possible? Is it even possible to live this way and to do the things that the scripture tells us that we are to do, and to not do the things that the scripture tells us that we aren't to do? Well, this morning we're going to talk about the cycle of victorious living, and uh, I tell you something I've discovered about life, and that is, it can be cyclical. We we get in cycles. I'll use for an example of which something with which I'm very familiar, and that is weight. Um, I, um, except for those uh, years when I hit uh, puberty and stretched out until I got married, weight was a problem, and still is. I probably lost two or three hundred pounds in my life. Of course, not all at once. <laughs> and you know, it's amazing. You you decide to to do something about that, and you get on the roll or I'm saying this morning, you get in a cycle. You start eating right and you exercise and do those things that you know you ought to do. And I make my doctor's visit and he's pleased. He says, you know, you're losing, but you got more to go. Now, again, you can turn around and man, you just get out of that cycle. And kind of for me, sometimes it can go, I I eat about everything that's not nailed down. And um, I'm not exercising, I'm not being intentional about that, and all of a sudden it begins to go up again. You know, that's true in many areas of our lives, it can be true in our marriage, and certainly it's true in our spiritual lives. And that's what we want to talk about this morning, in terms of spiritually having a victorious cycle that we're in. Now the first thing I would have us to note as we look at the passage in Psalm is the little word Fret. Fret not. We find it in verses 1, 7, and 8. Now, if it's mentioned once, we give attention to it. If it's mentioned twice, we really pay attention. If it's mentioned three times, they're trying to make a point. And the psalmist here, again, is saying fret not, fret not, fret not. About yesterday, about tomorrow. Now, it's easy to get in the cycle of worrying and fretting. And if we get into that cycle, I can tell you from experience, and most of us would agree, it can become consuming. It can be all that we really think about. We're focused totally on that, exclusive to other things. It takes over. It allows for nothing else. It can take away rest and sleep, and it can even impact worship. So that God seems distant and far Now, I have one quote for you today that I think is really at the heart of the message that helps prepare us for this truth is by Oswald Chambers. It's not scripture, but it's the next thing to it, (laughs) since Oswald Chambers wrote it. He said this, All of our worrying and fretting is caused by calculating without God. Now, that may be something you want to write down in that space you have there for your bulletin insert. All of our worrying and fretting is caused by calculating without God. I can tell you that's true, at least it is for me. It's true. I can remember we were facing a situation that was very troubling. And it was, I'm telling you, it was consuming. My wife will tell you. Just in the last couple of years. And I remember coming in and telling her and said, you know what? I'm done with worrying about that. God has taken care of us and provided for us. And why would he not do that now? And you know, it just liberated me. It just set me free. I, when that would come up, I said, no, Lord, I've, I've given that to you. So that's what we're talking about. Now, these kinds of things are normal in life, worrying, tension, those kinds of things. and um, But again, as we stop to think about it, how this can just gnaw at us. And it's kind of like, it does about as much good as it would for me to go out and start up my car and and. Just put my foot on the accelerator and just wind that engine up and just listen to it and sit there. That car is not going to go anywhere until I do something else, is it? It's not going to go anywhere until I put the gear into drive or reverse. And the moment I do that, I'm using that engine to do what was it intended to do. Otherwise, it's just sitting there causing stress on the engine you know I um, respect Dr. Virgil Mitchell and I'm in a place where many of you knew this wonderful man of God but one of the great stories I think that comes out of his life was when he was 12 or 13 year old boy grew up in a farm over in six mile area and his dad was raising cotton at the time and it was the time when it was great stress because the bovi weevil swept through and destroyed the cotton crops and Dr. Mitchell recalls that time in being out in the middle of a field that had been devastated by the boll weevil and his father was crying. The impact of that was considerable. Loss of income for the family and they had even borrowed money or got on credit the seed and the fertilizer to plant the cotton plants. And his dad was crying and Dr. Mitchell had never seen his dad cry before. And maybe as kind of a sim, just a a little bit of precursor of who this man was and going to be, he said to his dad, he said, pop, somehow I don't figure this caught God by surprise. So again, our worry and fretting is caused by what? Calculating without God. Now that's the not thing we're to do (laughs) is the fretting part. So how is it that we are to get in this cycle of victorious living? What are the positive things that we need to do? And we find four things in the psalm that I think are extremely helpful. And it starts, first of all, with commit. You'll see in the little cycle, the chart that's on the screen, we start at the top, and it's commitment. And we always start there in this cycle. We start with commitment. Now, this is more than just some kind of sentimental decision. This is an act of the will. Um, a very descriptive way of thinking about this comes from the Marathi language in the country of India as they were translating this word. And here's how it comes out in that translation. Turn what you are and what you have over to God, palms down. You probably heard this before similar, but go ahead this morning, stick out your palms. True commitment requires me to turn my palm over and drop what I am holding into his hand so that none of it, remains again that's something we choose to do now this is different than a prayer that we've all prayed Lord you take this from me (laughs) that's putting all of it on the Lord and you know this is a cooperative arrangement if God's going to work in our lives we work with him this is releasing it to God so as we commit and this is where we always begin we turn it over to God palms down with nothing left in our hands. You can put your palms back, your hands back together. You know, this, is com- this commitment is initial. It's a time when we do it and it is continuous. We have four children and we have 13 grandchildren. All of our 13 grandchildren are well above average. If you don't believe it, just ask us. But you know, with children and grandchildren, I remember especially with our four children, there was a time Early in their lives, when we did what many of you have done, we came before the church. Um, I think the first time we were on staff at a church and, and a Pat, Jack Phillips did it. And then the next time we were at a church and we had a retired pastor and he did it. And then I think the next two times, each of our fathers did the children. So we gathered before the church and we said, Lord, we recognize this child as a gift from you. And now we're giving them back to you. And so we did that. We gave them back to God and that was it. We never had to do that again. We were done with that, right? No. We have certificates to prove that we did it. But I can tell you there are many times that we continued to give our children back to God and to commit them to them, sometimes daily, sometimes hourly. So it's initial, but yet it is continuous. So it is commit, hands down. The second thing is to trust, to trust. Trust. So I commit everything I have, including myself, to the Lord. So now what am I to do? Well, trust, let's translate into the two words. Now we're to lean hard. (laughs) Lean hard. We change from independence to dependence. Now, we don't at that point just lean on someone and we don't understand what it is or we doubt what it may be. At that point, we begin to lean hard on someone whom we have come to know and trust and who is the creator and sustainer of the universe. Amen? We lean hard. At this stage, my wife likes when we go down steps to lean hard on my shoulder, maybe just in front of her. So far, I'm able to do that. I'm going to get to the point where I won't be able to do that any longer. So she'll have to use the handrail every time. Well, we don't have to worry about God growing weary or tired or being unable. We can lean on him. Amen. We can trust him. Trust is a key word in the Psalms. And I know all of us here today have our stories. And I have one special one from my life that I would like to share our lives. We were in North Carolina and our oldest was in school at Indiana Wesleyan. And um, it was a long way from north carolina and indiana westland today didn't have cell phones and so forth the first year she didn't have a car the second year she got a hand-me-down like three or four times hand-me-down car the first time it broke down i got my dad's dolly and i never returned it until she graduated from indiana westland i kept it because there would be two more times that i would need to go fetch the car or her and both one of the times was near the end of the school year and she was traveling home and got to southern indiana and The car stopped, and it looked like it was fairly serious. So um, one afternoon, I um, got ready to go. I loaded up the van, took my younger son, put the dolly. And it was a tough time for us. We were going through a very difficult time in ministry. My wife was concerned for me making that kind of trip, just given just my state of mind and all we were going through. She had prayer with me in our driveway, and we left in the afternoon, arrived there, um, loaded the car up. And started back um, between uh, Louisville and Lexington, Kentucky on interstate 64 I pulled into a rest area to rest it was about 11 o'clock at night we had by that time we were God had blessed us to be able to have a large conversion van which is a wonderful thing we had four kids and none of them had to touch while we were traveling so but it was wonderful also It had that bed in the back that lay down so I laid down and my son put the chair back and I slept and I slept well I woke up the next morning. Nothing changed. I woke up early. Aaron was still sleeping, so I started driving. And totally unexpectedly, God began to draw near with his presence. As I drove toward the sunrise, as I was facing it that morning, and the sun began to rise, it's just like the Holy Spirit just came down and flooded that car. I was oblivious to anything or anyone else. It's just like I was there with the Lord. I could have been on a mountain or any place that happened to be driving was immaterial. And you know what, what came from that is God just said, trust me, buddy. I got it. You, your wife, your family, I've got it. And you know, I got home that afternoon and um, I didn't say anything to my wife, but after a little bit, she looked at me and she says, what's happened to you? And I shared with her. You know, nothing had changed in some of our circumstances. If anything, it may have been worse. I don't know. I don't remember by now. But God had again reminded me that I needed to trust Him, and if I would do that, He would take care of it. So we commit, hands down. We trust. We lean hard. And then the next thing we see is to delight. To delight. And the two words I would attach to that are look up. Look up. You know, delight is more than an emotion. It's an attitude of the Spirit. And that while God's will is not something we would always choose, yet the Scripture says for us to delight ourselves in the Lord and He will give us the desires of our heart. There can be a purposeful delight. And so many times as we walk through the times of fretting and we get to the place of that in that cycle, we forget about rejoicing and delighting and looking up. That's what, what Paul said there in that passage in Philippians. He says, rejoice in the Lord. And then he says it again, rejoice. And then he reminds us that we commit those things to the Lord and we can sense that peace. We better not forget the rejoicing part of this because that's so key. It is so important. I've had people go visit in the hospital and Sometimes I would say to them, look up, and pretty predictable response is, well, that's about the only way I can look right now. (laughs) But we better look up if we want to get out of the cycle. We better focus on the Lord as much as we can and to rejoice in him and delight in him. And then that brings us to the fourth thing. When that happens, we rest in him. We rest in him. You know, this is not some passive thing. This is an active rest when we continue again to commit, trust, and delight. Some would say, well, why can't I go from commit to delight? Well, um, the trusting and our rest, the, the trusting and the delight and rejoicing are a part of that. It's a part of the whole thing. It's, it's a complete cycle that he gives us here. You know, if we don't go by trust and delight, we're not really ready for the benefit of rest. Rest is usually hard-earned. We've been doing things in our lives, disciplines, the committing, the trusting, and the delighting, those disciplines that bring us to a point of rest, an active rest. And um, again, there is a rest that comes when it is the Lord. Again, it's not to be free from stress, but it does mean this, that our lives are rooted in the love of God that will always give a sense of peace in the midst of the storms. Perhaps one of the best examples of this is um, the hymn writer, Horatio Spafford. Many of you know the story of this. I'm not going to go into all the details, but in a time of great sorrow, having lost uh, all of his children and his business to fire, um, In the midst of that time, he wrote the words to this hymn that most of you know this morning. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. My friends, that's the rest that he's talking about here. We can have that. I am... one of the great joys of our life was planting a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the 1980s. Um, it was just really wonderful experience for us in so many, many ways, and um, the, one of the great blessings of the many people that came to Christ, we had assistance with some volunteers, youth laborers came in, but in the first year we met in the middle school, we met longer than that, but in that first year in the middle school, we had 56 baptisms. Um, We had baptismal services the third Sunday of every month. We didn't know who was going to be baptized, but there was always someone to be baptized. Well, with that many new Christians, you need some people who are mature believers, who can work with them, who can disciple them. And so God sent us some amazing people, and one of those couples was Vic and Donna Bunn. They moved to Tulsa. He left his job as a professor at Ohio State University as an engineer where he had earned a Ph.D., and there was a startup company in Oklahoma, an aerospace thing. And they offered him huge, a huge salary to come and work for them. Well, as things, um, you know, explode and go up, many times there's a burst that accompanies it later, and that's exactly what happened. And I heard that Vic had lost his job. So I did what any pastor would do. I called him and says, hey, let's get together for lunch. We got together for lunch. And uh, I can remember that that lunch so vividly, we didn't exchange pleasantries for very long when he looked at me and he said, Pastor Buddy, I appreciate your interest and concern. I appreciate your prayers and support. And it means a lot that you would take this time to meet with me, but you just need to know something that Donna and I are just fine and we're going to be just fine. And then he said this to me, he says, you see, Pastor Buddy, TK International, which is the company he worked for is not my provider. My heavenly father is my provider. That's rest. That's cashing in. <laughs> That's cashing in because of the commitment and the trust and delight in the Lord. I want to close with just um, this part. I picked up this outline years ago when I was a student at Asbury Seminary and um, Dr. Earl Lee came and uh, did some spiritual emphasis uh, services. He was the pastor at that time of the First Church of the Nazarene. So I had these notes, and I kept those in file, and I was digging through those two or three years ago, and I said, wow, that's good. I looked at that, and I did a search. Well, guess what? Dr. Lee wrote a book on this title, The Cycle of Victorious Living. So it's not original with me. If you think it was good, then you can give him credit. I borrowed it and changed it, but... He did this series of, he did this message, and then he wrote a book on the same title. What's amazing thing, the pastor that followed him did a book on the very same title, taking the same passages. I don't know how you do that, but he did it. Uh, But uh, the the story goes that Dr. Lee, uh, after that, in fact, that would have been in the the 70s, and later on, this would have been probably within six or seven years of me hearing him preach that message, and, and after he wrote the book. Uh, They had a son, Gary, who worked with the State Department. And Gary was one of the 50-some that were kidnapped in Iran and were held as hostages for 444 days. Um, They were released, many of you remember, on uh, the inauguration day of President Reagan in 1980. So here was a man who preached this message like this, wrote the book. And so how does it work? In fact, a reporter wanted to know knew about the book and knew their story and wanted to know how it worked. And so he said, uh, in a prologue uh, ep- uh, epilogue after the book or post after the book, he said, I was able to share with that reporter that what I had preached about and what I had wrote about still worked. That while I, our son was held as hostage, we were able to live victoriously because every day we committed Gary to the Lord we trusted in the Lord, we continued to delight in the Lord, and God gave us the rest and the peace. Amen? This works. You have so many people here, older, mature Christians, that they have stories to tell of God's loving kindness and faithfulness. So my friends, for you this morning is simply this. What are you fretting about? What's keeping you awake at night? What are you worrying about? The message this morning is simply this. You can have victory. God's given us a plan, a formula and his word. Of course, there are a lot of other things you could add to this, but this is just one of those things. And I pray today that this will be helpful to you. In fact, as we close in prayer this morning, perhaps there are those of you, you would just like to, you have something that you need to start in this journey of victorious living and commit to the Lord. And as we bow our heads, Today, if there's something in your life, or maybe even today you are not a Christ follower, you are not a believer, and today you want to commit your life to him, whatever the situation, if you have something to commit to the Lord, or you need to commit your life to the Lord, I would just invite you right now to just stretch out your palms, hands down, and by an act of the will, again, give that to the Lord today to trust him. Just take a moment to do that. This is a decision that you are making to release this to the Lord. And now let's pray together. Father, you know those things in our hearts and our lives that trouble us and that can at times cause us to fret and worry. Today I pray that you will help us to enter the cycle of victorious living by committing those things to you palms down to trust in you by leaning hard on you. Lord, to rejoice in you, to look up and realize that you have this and then we can rest in you and we can experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. May it be true for each person here today who has a need. And Lord, even if we may not be in time of need, help us to follow this away and the Holy Spirit can bring it to our hearts and minds and this could be a benefit to us in our lives in the days to come. Thank you for this church, for this congregation. Thank you for Pastor Mike and Linda and their leadership and their vision and the staff. I pray your blessing on all of them. And Lord, again, we just continue to give you the ministry of this church and the future that you have for this church to continue to make an impact in this community for you. We pray in Jesus' strong name, amen. Thank you for sharing, Pastor Buddy. We appreciate your faithfulness and sharing what God has laid on your heart. Uh, it is a blessing to be able to worship with each of you this morning, to be able to celebrate what God has done, and to be challenged by the Word of God and allow that Word of God to speak to us as we continue to serve Him and grow. Uh, Pastor Buddy has been gracious in being here. Uh, he will be speaking in the other service, but I will ask if you'll go out there just so they can greet you in the foyer. And uh, if you would, as you leave today, just let him know how much you appreciate him being with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the privilege of being in your house. I pray that you bless each one as we go. Minister to our hearts that we might be able to take the message that has been proclaimed today and apply it to our lives every moment moving forward. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being with us and go in peace.